everybody and welcome to the UNT MindSpark podcast. Today's segment is going to be Maker Life Stories. I'm your host, Jerry Johnson, with my co-host, Liberty Walker. And today we will be interviewing Karen from the Denton Workbench. How are you doing today, Karen? Good, how are you? Doing pretty well, thanks for asking. So, you work at the Denton Workbench and actually founded the Denton Workbench. So, can you tell us how did it all get started? Yeah. Sure. So, um, I moved here from Pennsylvania in 2017 for grad school at UNP uh, in metalsmithing and jewelry. Um, and after I graduated in spring 20, right, you know, COVID central. Mm-hmm. Had some time to think and figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, originally, I thought I was going to move back to Pennsylvania, but um, as with lots of folks, the job I had fell through. So I decided to stay in Denton. Um, and as we were, as I was kind of thinking about what next step was happening, what I wanted to do, um, I kept focusing on how many students would leave Denton because they no longer had access to tools and equipment especially for programs like metalsmithing and ceramics. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that my peers and I talk about a lot is having that access. And as makers, we lose that access when we're not in school and and how detrimental that is to our practice. Yeah. So I am fortunate that I have been collecting a lot of tools over the years, probably enough to fill the space twice. And uh, I was able to uh, find a space, find a spot, get myself motivated and that's how it started yeah that's that's always a great thing because personally for myself i am honestly a little bit terrified of losing access to all the tools that i have because having right. all of this stuff and then having nothing after i leave is it's a little terrifying it's a rude awakening to how fortunate you have it while in school and then how unfortunate folks are when they're done yeah like we have a, I believe, like, I want to say a $5,000 laser cutter and no access to that after yeah. <laughs> after I'm out of college. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I Like, I think about when you mentioned the laser, like, I think about the Fab Lab and the art building mm, yeah. and how there's four lasers, a router, CNC, all of the things and, yeah, access loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I have a lot of friends who also got into making things and started to use the resources here. And the idea of them not being able to continue their work and their art is terrifying. So what you're doing is so amazing. But uh, what is one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome when creating the Denton Workbench? Um, I think, you know, it's it's still a challenge. There are still challenges. Um, I think there will continue to be challenges. Uh, biggest challenge was finding the space, mm-hmm. um, finding an actual space that would allow uh, the equipment and chemicals that we use, uh, especially in metal smithing. We do use um, compressed gas and chemicals. So, you know, ventilation, fumes, safety, fire hazards, etc. Uh, we also have a very large ceramics kiln, um, also concerns about safety and fire. Not anything you could do in an apartment. Right. None of these none of these processes are safe in an apartment. Let me emphasize, do not do these in your apartment. Yeah, I don't think um, they would like a, a kiln on my balcony. Oh, my goodness. 
No, they would not. I mean, they were teenagers. So, um, so I think, you know, one of the, the challenges was finding that perfect space in Denton and the perfect landlord um, and a space that had air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, not being a native Texan, the idea of working not in air conditioning terrified me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we... I was able to find a space, a landlord, her name is Melissa Lienerberg. She's amazing, very supportive of the arts. Um, and she was 100% behind what we wanted to do. Um, and, and she was fully aware of all the possibilities of danger. <laughs> so I, I'm very grateful for her. Um, we're fortunate that we are uh, located right off the square um, and a little set back. So while some folks don't know where we are, once they find us, it's a nice little gem. Um, so we're still getting word out. So it's important that, you know, we continue our social media, et cetera, presence, because you're not going to drive by and know that we're here. So that's one right. of the challenges. Um, other second challenge is just finding folks to teach. Um, I think one of the things we are essentially trying to do here is allow people to have the opportunity to teach, to share their craft or knowledge, and that craft or knowledge can be a wide range of things. It does not have to be limited to metals, fibers, and clay. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, computer programming. It can be just a lecture about something you know, maybe something in our history or a process that you really enjoy. And folks don't need to have a degree to do any of these things. In fact, if they want to just test out if they do want to teach on any level, this would be a great opportunity for them to have a low pressure environment with really supportive folks. Um, we are also happy to do like test runs, practice, um, and, and we want people to feel confident and safe and supported. Uh, because if you are going into teaching, you really need to know that you like it first. Oh, um, and you also, yeah, you also want to make sure that, you know, you have your, your plan down and organized, your tools, your materials. So I think we provide that incubator space for folks to do that. Mm-hmm. But we need more po- folks to realize that they have things to share. Right, right. I think that's a little what a lot of people don't realize is they have something they can share, but they just don't have a way of sharing it. Right, right. After learning about airspace, I was tempted to like make flyers or something or find some way to spread some sort of word about it. Aww. Thanks, Liberty. <laughs> I appreciate that. You just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you love most about the Denton Workbench? Uh, I love the I love the potential. It has potential. Um, and I mean that in a lot of different avenues. You know, it, it has potential for me as a as a human, as a business owner, um, to really expand my knowledge as far as working with Denton community. Um, it has potential as far as allowing people the opportunity to teach, but also to learn. So there's that potential. Um, while we have a lot of different things happening, I can see there being more. So I, I don't feel we are static. I feel that we have a lot that we can still do and will do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also the, the connection we have to Denton. You know, that, that's a great potential uh, as far as a reciprocal relationships with other businesses. That's really important to us. Right. Community is huge for us. Absolutely. Uh, the constant changing environment's very fun. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Never bored. Mm-hmm. Never bored. Um, on the flip side, what's your biggest frustration about the Denton Workbench? There's never enough time 
to do awesome. everything we want to do. And, and by everything, I mean more events, more classes, more social media, more cleaning, more materials, more prepping of those materials. You know, it feels like the hardest part is, is not having that time, but also the humans to help. Like I have a, a studio manager, her name is Jillian. She is wonderful, but we're only two people. Right. So there is a limited amount we can do. Uh, we do have a couple interns from UNT who help us out a lot. And we have another person that does studio exchange for us. So they will work a few hours and then they have access to the studio. Mm -hmm. So while we're trying to combat that frustration of not having enough time by bringing in more people, it's still hard to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, finding a balance is probably the hardest part. Yeah. There's too much going on in life. <laughs> right, exactly. But speaking of a Denton Workbench, what did it feel like when you first opened up the doors of the Denton Workbench? Uh, it was it was terrifying. You know, it's it's terrifying as a business person opening a business during COVID, um, during you know treacherous times in the world, and <laughs> and who wants to open a business and things feel so shaky. Mm -hmm. um, but art will continue. We will always have art. Um, Absolutely. So I I believe that Denton, you know, has a lot of artists, a lot of art community. We have great programs at UNT that folks don't even know we have. So that gave me the confidence to know that we have that support. But it, it's still frightening to try something new, always. Um, and I think the other thing that was concerning was, you know, will, will people get it? Will people understand right. um, what we're trying to do for the community? And I think so far they have. I think okay. people appreciate that we are a, a low-pressure big community, um, supportive, welcoming environment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What you're up to isn't typical. So I understand that fear of like people not understanding what's going on. Right. Exactly. And, and it's, it, you can even boil it down to our name. I've had folks tell me uh, that they think like our sign says workbench out front and they think it's a gym. Oh. So trying to battle just like even word stereotypes yeah hmm. yeah i didn't think of that yeah i didn't that that, that didn't even didn't cross either. my mind <laughs> right right mm -hmm. yeah. more you know yeah but uh what's one of the best things that has happened to you since you opened the denton workbench um i think that there's i mean there's several you know there's those rewarding everyday moments of hey i'm my own boss this is amazing uh, but then there's there's really special um, instances, and, and I've had several since we've opened. I had a person who is part of a stained glass collective called Forever in Flux. Their name is Ray, and they made me a beautiful stained glass piece that is my logo, Ooh. which hangs in our space. But the amazing thing was is I had only met them once before, mm. but they were inspired by the space and appreciated that the space existed and made that. And I, I was so touched by that. Um, I had a former student make the same logo into a necklace for me. Mm -hmm. uh, again, another gift I was not expecting and really blew me away. Um, I think that the best observation uh, someone made was that while we are creating community here in the space, we also create community outside of the space. Mm 
So working with other businesses, continuing my relationship with UNT and tapping into resources there, all very important things. Um, but I, I think that building community is probably my favorite part. And, and especially when people respond to that community and feel supported and welcome in that community. Right. Right. I love that they should like use arts as a way to express their appreciation for what you're doing with their creations. Yes, it's so amazing. Exactly. <laughs> because they knew I would appreciate yeah. You know, like it's, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An unexpected gift is always the best gift. Ooh, it gets me crying every time. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, so what is the craziest thing you've seen in the business? Um, right. So, you know, lots of things I, I never expected being in business. Um, and, and in fact, that's the most overwhelming part. Like, you don't think about everything that goes into a business, whether that's insurance, buying toilet paper, cleaning floors, all of these things that you never thought you would do. And when I um, when I started, I, I knew I'd be getting into some things that were new for me. Not that buying toilet paper is new for me. I do that all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, just managing a space, a physical space. And we have a shared bathroom with our neighbors. They have a hip-hop recording and there was an evening where I closed down our business. Uh, and when I came in the next morning and I went to the restroom, there was a pair of women's underwear on the ground in oh front of goodness. the toilet. Oh, no. Right, right. So, you know, of course, I put gloves on, picked it up, put it in the trash. Um, but then I had to write a text that I never thought I would have to write. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I never thought I'd be picking up strangers' underwear at 47 off the bathroom floor but uh i also had to let my neighbor know that one of their clients had left underwear in the bathroom so it was basically a hi this is what i walked into this morning would you please remind your clients that this is a shared restroom space and if they could not leave their underwear on right. the floor. so just not not what i expected yeah but you have to do it it's part of the job so yeah, little things. Little, <laughs> little things you things. don't expect. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun day. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. If you had to start all over from scratch, what would you do differently? That is a great question, and I, I do beat myself up a little bit. Um, I, you know, I, and then this is very normal for me. I tend to get very excited, and I want to do all the things all at once. Um, but that's very hard to do in a business where you have multiple revenue streams or multiple business models. So we have business model that is teaching. So we have workshop teachers who come in, teach a workshop. Uh, so we have folks buying tickets or, or um, participating in those workshops. And then we also have a retail space. And then we also do events. And we also have a gallery space. So we have all of these different avenues that we use um but i think the the thing i did when i started was i thought about things that were not important like light switch plate cover covers i was determined to have them all match they were all going to be glitter uh and i spent probably more money than i should have on them i did not make them which is 
also embarrassing. I bought them off of Etsy. But uh, I think looking back, I would have not worried about the late six plate covers. I would have really just honed in on one area that I wanted to build first. So I probably would have just focused on getting the workshops up and running um, and making sure that that was successful and then start worrying about the decor. Right. I mean, I get the temptation to decorate every little bit, though. It's your space and you're excited. (laughs) I'm a very environmental person. Like, I like to have certain things in my environment that inspire me or keep me feeling creative. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've I've definitely been in the mindset where I get very excited and then I focus on the small details rather than the larger ones. And you can't do that when you have rent to pay. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Right. <laughs> so and the glitter was more ironic. The glitter um switch plate covers was more ironic than anything because in craft, you know, craft art, everyone always jokes about craft being glitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, those of us that are craft artists are very anti-glitter. Yeah. So it was my, it it was my joke. Nobody else gets it oh, but me. No. And that's, that's, <laughs> I'm so afraid of my irony being missed with things like that. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. But then as long as you appreciate it, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. exactly. So my next question to you is, has being a smaller makerspace in the sense of a smaller pool of clientele has that affected the development of your personal philosophies? Sure. So, you know, I'm, one of the things that I I know is where your question is coming from as far as, you know, being a smaller space, um, and, and if we're comparing our space to something like the Dallas Makerspace. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas Makerspace, I've been there, I've worked there. It's amazing. The opportunity and the knowledge and the equipment that is there, so impressive. Right. What I don't care for about it is it's it's very large. It's it's mm-hmm. large. It's intimidating. Um, there's not always enough staff there to let you know how to use things. Uh, so I think that can be really uh, detrimental to folks who want to learn something or continue oh, yeah. their practice. Uh, so I feel we offer the opportunity for folks to come in and get that support that they need, that intimate, kind of smaller more focused uh, knowledge as well as teaching. Um, I think we all have here. Um, and then, you know, we like to work one-on-one with folks. Our biggest class is, you know, about six right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do keep it small. Um, and I, I like that. It feels more like we can control and manage. As far as it affecting my personal philosophies, I, I think that's, I think it's in line with it because I believe, mm-hmm. I enjoy teaching. I believe in teaching. I believe in education being accessible. And I think while Dallas Makerspace does provide education, it's not the right fit for a lot of folks mm, as far okay. as folks who need that support. And we are we are geared towards people who want to learn where Dallas Makerspace may be more geared towards folks who already have the knowledge oh. and just come in and use the equipment. Right. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. One of the few things keeping me going with uh, making things and creating is the community aspect. And it sounds like the Dollar Maker space has more machines than people, which, like, as you mentioned, is important for like honing skills, but it definitely wouldn't keep right. me there. Right. right. The community is so valid. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know as an artist what I would do without 
people around me who I can bounce ideas off of and have those conversations. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned prior that you had a passion for metalsmithing. When did you realize you had that passion? Sure, that's a great question. Um, I uh, have not always been a metalsmith. I was not born a metalsmith. I actually worked in higher education for about 15 years, typically in uh, admissions or financially. Mm -hmm. So I worked in an office. Um, and the last school that I worked at, I worked there for eight years. I coordinated the federal work-study program at a smaller liberal arts college. And our office um, was a shared office space, so open office plan, but we all had sort of weird half cubicles with glass on top around. So it was very much like a zoo. Mm. So people could come in and like observe us from the <laughs> other side of the glass. It was really uncomfortable. Yeah. It was a great job, great school, but it was awkward. And yeah. then one day I was back in our little break area and I, I grabbed a cup of Doritos and I had them and I brought them back to my desk. And one of my coworkers walked by and was like, oh, eating Doritos again. And I got so angry because I was like, I just want to be able to do something that no one else can comment on or have or own or know about. Like, I just want something that's mine. Mm. So I found a metal smithing class at a community art center. And I didn't tell anybody that I was doing it, except for my husband, who saw the bill. Um, happy to pay it so that I would have something to do. Mm. <laughs> but I, um, I took the class and I loved it. And I took the same class about ten times, oh, just wow. so I would have access to the material, to the tools, and the community. I'd like Liberty mentioned, that community part was also important. Absolutely. Um, and as I continued, I of course realized that the school I worked at had a metalsmithing program. So I did my second bachelor's uh, in studio art. Uh, and then in 2017, I was accepted into UNT's program. So I sold our house. We sold our house, quit our jobs, our regular well-paying benefits providing jobs, and <laughs> moved to Texas from Pennsylvania. Um, and it, that was you know, a dream come true for me, of course. Um, but it was also a reflection of how much I enjoy being a metalsmith. Um, it is the only craft I can do continuously for hours and not be bored. Um, it is, to me, one of the few crafts you can do where you will never know everything. You will never have all the tools or the toys that you need to make things. And that's exciting to me because I will never get bored, ever. Absolutely. So, so I actually have a little bit of a side question. Why UNT? That's a great question. Um, I One of the reasons was when I talked to my husband about applying to grad school, uh, his only request was that it was somewhere warmer than Pennsylvania. <laughs> Neither of us like snow. Uh, and so I applied to three places uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. And... The funny thing is, is that over 20 years ago, I lived in Denton. Um, I followed a musician here. Long story, not important. <laughs> but I was, here for, I was here for two years, and I loved Denton. Um, the relationship didn't work out, so I moved back north. Never thought I would step foot in Texas again. Hmm. But I saw that UNT had a metal smithing program. I knew Denton. I knew that I liked Denton. I knew that Denton was not 
typical what we think of as Texas. Right. You know, so I, I was excited to come somewhere where I was somewhat familiar and that felt safer to me and more um, approachable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then UNT's facilities for metalsmithing um, are amazing. Uh, right when I came in, they had just about opened the new building. So mm. it was it was a great time to start. Um, and so, yeah, UNT, I love the, the art program there. The CBAD is like a little community in itself yeah. in a very large school, which I love. That's why you and Very interesting. Yeah. I absolutely adore your story because a lot of me and my friends harbor fears about like being stuck forever and not being able to find a passion when we get older because that's what a lot of people tend to say or feel or like that's what express in society. So the idea that you found this later, like not young as everyone seems to be saying that you have to find it, is amazing. I think that we we put too much pressure on ourselves to have that passion so early, and it and it's just not true. You don't you don't have to have that right away. Take some time to find it. Um, I was you know thirty eight when I found metal. I'm forty seven now. I I love what I do, but yeah, I didn't find it till later. But hey, thank goodness I found it. Yeah, so yeah. That's the important thing. Exactly. Keep trying new things. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, what is one of the hidden pitfalls with metal sniffing that prevent people from succeeding in it? I think, you know, it's like, it's like any craft or, um, art that, you know, we see students gravitating towards, um, they see the final products and they don't realize how much work and effort it takes to actually make those objects or, um, or art pieces. So I think the important, or I'm sorry, the pitfall that I often see is folks expect the process to go much faster. Mm. They expect that their first time they make something, it's going to be perfect. Um, and they also expect that they will get the same results over and over again. So it's, it's very much a reflection of society, you know, instant gratification, etc. But I think once they realize that knowledge is important as well, the process is just as important as the finished product. Uh, but also that things can be imperfect. It doesn't have to look like a picture that you see because we know that most pictures have filters or touch-ups. Yep. So we always have to remember the mark of the hand, the mark of the artist, and that they put their selves, themselves into that project. So that's just as important. So. Oh. Yeah. Time is the biggest pitfall people have. To know. Yeah, sure. I was definitely guilty of that when I first started learning about 3D printing. I expected things to go very fast. No, they do not. Very fast. No. <laughs> and then I've kind of learned Dave. to slow myself down from there. Right, because there's, and I, I, I agree. And then when I experimented with 3D printing for some of my work, very surprised how much back, like the prep work, is amazing. How much has to be done yeah. for it to be perfect mm-hmm. or semi-perfect? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um. oh uh, what is one thing people don't realize about metal smithing? Um, I think that the important thing to remember about metal smithing is that um, not all folks who make jewelry make jewelry with metal. You know, we see a lot of folks making 
uh, jewelry or wearable art that are not metal. Um, that's not to say that jewelry makers can't be metalsmiths. They absolutely are. Um, and then in reverse that, metal, not all metalsmiths are jewelers. Um, so one of the things we often are asked when someone finds out we are metalsmiths is, oh, can you fix my necklace? Oh, can you set this diamond? Um, when really not all metalsmiths are interested in that process. And a lot of metalsmiths make decorative objects, functional objects. Um, so it is not just about the wearable. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally love the wearable, um, but a lot of my peers, you know, make beautiful metal objects. And uh, I think the important thing is to to realize that the process also in, is included. Um, the process is just as important as the title. Like you have to understand what's happening with that title. Like it's not just assuming that everything is made for metal or wearable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I would assume they're very, very distinct and different uh, processes. Yeah, although they could be the same. Like I, mm. I could, I could set a diamond if I really wanted to, but I don't. Like I have no interest in that. Like <laughs> that to me is terrifying because I know I'll lose it. I mean, I'll just drop it on the ground. So yeah. why would I want to put myself through that? And then so. we drop something on the ground, it goes into the void. Gone forever. Right. I'm a total klutz. So anyone yeah. can have. I agree with that. Uh so um, what is one of the resources you use most when you need to find answers? Sure. So, um, you know, besides Google, besides uh, my old professors, besides the many books I have, uh, I also have some great folks in the community that uh, I have met through opening a business. Uh, in particular, there's a woman named Danielle Longville, and she works. Um, in an organization called The Gracious Mind. They provide low-cost counseling to folks in Denton, particularly the queer community. Mm. She's also a producer of Glitter Bomb, which is hosted at Rubber Gloves every Thursday. Oh. So, shamelessly plugging her because she is an amazing resource in Denton. She knows all things Denton. Uh, she designed our website. And whenever I have a question about who to find, where to go, how do I register for this event, what's happening with uh, maybe something that's happening on the square that they didn't know about, um, she's the person to ask. So I think it's finding those key people in your community that you can reach out to. Get their phone number, text them. And if they're a mover and shaker, like Danielle is, they will welcome your text all the time. Oh. Go Danielle. Yeah, go Danielle. Go Danielle. Yeah. So my next question is, how did you overcome the fear of that little voice in your head and actually open up the Denton workspace, workbench? Sure. Sure. I mean, it, it's still there. That voice is still there. Um, that, that doesn't really go away. I, I don't know when that goes away. No one has told me when that <laughs> stops. Um, but it is scary. You know, being, not being a business person. Uh, opening a business in weird times, uh, opening a business that focuses on art. Um, I ran into some realtors who, when I told them what my plan was, they weren't interested in helping me find a space uh, because it was connected to art. Uh, art does not always equal money. Um, 
So I think the challenges were stereotypes, um, but I think the voice, the voice hopefully will quiet. Uh, but I think the biggest thing I, I remember is that I have lots of folks to support me. Mm. Uh, besides, you know, my studio manager and the students who exchange time for studio time. Um, I just have a lot of great folks who have brought us donations uh, of equipment, have stopped in and just told us how glad they are that we're here. Um, so that's, that's the thing that counters the voice, mm -hmm. the voices of everybody else. Okay. Oh, that's so sweet. A lot of this, a lot of making and what you're saying boils down to people, which is, I think, amazing because humans are social creatures. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And art should not be isolated. Yeah. In, in my yeah. opinion. So, yeah. yeah, art should be for everyone to observe, to be a part of, just to be with the art. And then our last question for you today is, what is the best piece of advice that anyone has given you? I, I think that's a, a hard question because, you know, we have my, my personal life, my business life, and how do we find that balance and the work-life yeah. balance? Um, and so I think the, the best advice is, you know, focus on what you're hearing that's positive, set those negative comments aside as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, worry about the things you can control right, is the right. biggest thing. Um, I tend to worry about everything, but um, I am not in control of everything. So, And I also think it's important to find that work-life balance, to find times to relax. Um, so I think that's, that's just as equally important just as a business owner, as a human, and as an artist. You need mm -hmm. to make sure you're balancing your life. Absolutely. Do you mind if I throw in a third, uh, last question? Another one? Go ahead. Please. Um, please. How do you not get burnt out from working? Because I know a lot of people get into a job and then, like, they lose passion for what they're doing because it becomes their job. And how did you manage yeah, to not do that? Um, I, I don't know that I'm not a little burnt out. You know what I mean? I, I think there is a part of me that I am not necessarily, I, my own practice is not happening right now. You know, and I, I didn't realize how much time the business would take away from that. I should have, but I didn't. So I think that's um, a downside for me, uh, which I hope will get better. Um, so, yeah, I think there is always a little burnout. But I think, you know, being your own boss, being surrounded by art, being surrounded by artists, how can I complain? That's that's a dream. Mm -hmm. you no, know, so so when I when I have those moments of why am I doing this, I just pause and look around, and it's it's wonderful. Yeah, that does sound wonderful. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> that was that was a good question. Mm -hmm. I'll keep that in mind for next time. That is, that is a good question. That's a great question, what? and it's an important question to ask all artists. Oh, yeah. I find it amazing that you at least are aware of it and working towards avoiding that outcome. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But with that being our last question, I want to extend an offer to you to kind of talk about your business, its location, and just kind of give basically an advertisement of it. Great. Great. Thank you. Thanks for that opportunity. Um, so 
Workbench is a co-working art studio. We're at 813 North Locust. So we're right off the square in Denton. Uh, our focus and our tools that we provide focus on uh, metals, clay, and fibers. However, we welcome all art and knowledge, uh, both folks to teach and to learn. Uh, we are a welcoming community. Our goal is to make art accessible in whatever way that means, financially, physically, etc. So I believe that our goal is community. And if we can create that community through art, that's wonderful. Absolutely. So I just want to say thank you for coming on to the show, Karen. It has been a pleasure. Most definitely. Yeah. Please come visit. Both of oh, you. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely will. Mainly to see Wonderful. those light covers. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> They're impressive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We, I'm so glad we had this opportunity again. But right. with that... This has been the UNT MindSpark podcast with our segment on Maker Life Stories. I've been your host, Jerry Johnson, with my co-host, Liberty Walker. And we have been interviewing Karen from the Denton Workbench. I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening.